Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Mark Thompson. Get woke. God bless you. Get woke. Folks, MIP is now COVID free, meaning free to all subscribers as we navigate this pandemic. We're thinking about everyone and we've got to get through this together. So for a limited time, no fee to subscribe to make it plain on your favorite podcast app. Today, May 19th, would have been the 95th birthday of Malcolm X, El Haj Malik Al Shabazz, Omawali. You know, it's interesting. I remember, maybe you do too, the royal wedding a couple of years ago when Bishop Michael Curry spoke and he invoked Martin Luther King and slavery and love and fire. I thought that was interesting because the Royal Wedding actually took place on Malcolm X's birthday on May 19th. I'm not saying they planned it for his birthday, but when he spoke of fire, Bishop Curry, it to me invoked Malcolm because Malcolm was both love like Dr. King and fire uh, in terms of our people. Uh, Dr. King would say that love without power is sentimental and anemic. And Malcolm took the anemia out of our love for ourselves, our humanity, our culture, our love for our blackness. That's what Malcolm did. Uh, and he made us love ourselves as black people. And he was a precursor to the modern black power movement. You know, if you've ever loved someone or been in love, it, all different types of love, but 
sure we've all had experiences where we've loved someone and it's just been kind of boring and mundane and blah. You like love to have a little fire and passion. And Malcolm's love for his people, for all of us, had that fire and that passion. And that's why he's so important. He was like the hot sauce on something good, you know? He helped us get our culture out of lockdown. So happy birthday, El Haj Malik El Shabazz, Omawale. happy to have with us Eric Bolin of PressRun.media, fearless journalism about journalism. He's doing a lot of great work. Support PressRun at PressRun.media, if you will. Eric, how are you? And I, I guess you're still holding strong in the pandemic, huh? Yeah. Hold, yep. I, I lost count of the weeks like everybody else, but um, <laughs> far so good. Everyone's healthy. Yeah, well, that's good to know. Um, so here again, we have a, a somewhat peculiar situation. We talk a lot about Fox News, but then sometimes these people on Fox News end up going to other yeah. mainstream outlets. You, you know, you had Megyn Kelly go to NBC. And, and now um, you've got Catherine Herridge right. at CBS. And she, her, she's pushing Obamagate, isn't she? She is. So I wrote, actually wrote about when she went to CBS last year and I said, you know, the headline was, please stop doing this. <laughs> you, know, you know, she was, she was the important person for Benghazi, right? So she was aggressively wrong about Benghazi for three years at Fox News. Um, she probably aired hundreds and hundreds of reports, uh, whatever the Republican Party was feeding her uh, in terms of about this vast conspiracy. And it, you know, it's it's kind of sad and erotic when we think about Benghazi now. You know, four Americans lost, tragically lost their lives. We've had twenty-one thousand Benghazis under uh, under Trump since March mm. this pandemic, and the Republican Party um, will never hold an oversight hearing about the Republican president. So Catherine Herridge um, was was the face of Benghazi at Fox News. Was got got the strong story wrong, aggressively wrong for four years. You either have to be essentially dishonest or inept to do those two things. And lo and behold, she ended up, she got a promotion. She ended up at CBS, uh, you know, in, in the uh, pyramid of media, uh, going from cable news to network news is a big deal. Uh, it's kind of the ultimate, uh, still considered kind of the ultimate job, the ultimate assignment. Mm -hmm. She's a national security reporter. And, and um, so she caught some attention in the last week for a couple of things. One of the reasons, what, and well, we can talk about it. Someone on the Biden staff called her a right-wing hack, which I think is accurate. Um, so she had this sit-down interview with Bill Barr. Bill Barr, 10 days ago, said, we are dropping the Flynn investigation. Trump's former national security advisor, who, who pleaded guilty not once, twice, to lying to the FBI about covering up his previous connections with Russian officials during the 2016 campaign. Uh, Barr's utterly corrupt Department of Justice announced, uh, even though he lied to the FBI, uh, we're going to drop the case because there never should have been a case. You know, there was, it was all entrapment. You know, it was all part of this deep state uh, conspiracy of the, uh, you know, remnants of the Obama administration in January 
2017, days before the inauguration. Apparently, you know, the, the, this fantasy is that there was this huge last minute push, to, you know, to criminalize Trump, to entrap him. And, and one, one way they did it was um, to get Michael Flynn to lie to the FBI. Uh, so anyway, so he shocked the uh, legal community. We've had a petition signed by 2,000 former prosecutors, FBI officials saying Barr has to resign in order to protect the integrity of the Department of Justice. So Barr gives a sit-down interview to who? To Catherine Herridge. Uh, and she walks him through this softball interview. Uh, never, holds him, never holds him accountable. Uh, actually gives him these leading questions about, gee, it so just sounds like you're trying to root out politics at the Department of Justice. It was just, it, it looked like a Fox News interview and it was CBS and it was, it was embarrassing. And then a couple of days later, in terms of this Obamagate, you know, the administration is peddling this incoherent tale and, and, and they gave her some scoop. She claimed she, you know, landed this big scoop. They obviously just handed it to her, I think. And, um, uh, and, and so that created some tension as well. Uh, and so my point was, you know, if you want to talk about the liberal media, <laughs> the myth of the liberal media, uh, you should we should address things like why a, a, a Fox News reporter is being promoted and and you know um, promoted on CBS News and and why she's doing such awful journalism and why the networks. To me, the, the real insight here is they're so anxious, they're so desperate, you know, to bend over backwards to show conservatives. Oh, we're not so bad. We're not so bad. Uh, they basically hired this woman, in my view, to do softball interviews with Republicans. I mean, she was hired to because she could probably get, produce access. And just real quick, last week when she gave that bar interview, there was a lot of pushback, a lot of criticism. CBS News put out a statement. Oh, we're so proud of her. That interview with Bill Barr was picked up nationally and internationally. We, we got basically they were saying we got a lot of attention for it. So it was good. Yeah, so the ratings were good. We got quoted, so it was good. The interview itself is an embarrassment uh, and should be taught in journalism school how not to try to hold public officials accountable in a time of crisis. Yeah, so they pretty much admitted that it was clickbait. Yep. Yeah. And that's her job. Her job, they knew, you know, they knew when they hired her. We have a Republican administration. We have a radical right partisan administration. Uh, how can we get access? Let's hire someone from Fox News and we'll get access. And so far it's working. It's not producing journalism of any kind. Uh, it's, it's more like state-run stenography. And that, that should be cause for concern for CBS News, I would think. It, it'll, it'll be good when we get to the point in this new culture of ubiquitous social media, when uh, people and institutions, corporations, and presidents for that matter, are not defined by a certain number of likes. You know, because an, an algorithm is not always genuine in terms of what's really, whether or not people really like you or not. Right, right. You know, um, you know and I've spoken to groups of kids, Eric, whose self, they, their self-esteem allows them, it, uh, they allow their self-esteem to be tied up in sure. likes and whatnot. Right. That's unhealthy on one end of the spectrum. But this is unhealthy on the other end. When you have utter dysfunction when it comes to journalism and government and accountability right. based upon a bunch of likes. And, and as we've talked about before, you know, it, 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 it's really disproportionate and, and, and a false equivalency because 
the segment of Trump's base is, is so, um, um, are, are so much syncophants. Yeah. They will just like everything. Right, right, right. right. Uh, that, that even, you know, they just comes across the plate. They'll swing at every pitch. Um, and it's not really, life. right, and it's not really a true reflection. Right, right. Of reality, even if every one of us on the other side of the spectrum ignored it, they—that's—it's they only do one thing. It's an obsession. Oh, we like it, we like it, and then it—it it, it really gives a false sense of approval, and a false sense of accuracy and professionalism, and success. That's just not real, right? Uh, and it's almost incestuous. You know, it'd be like if if you or I posted something and just everybody in our family liked it. Right. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's what they're supposed to do. Right. Uh, and then the whole access thing, man, my God, you know, it, it's just a, a circle of incest. Uh, access, uh, softball interviews, yep. likes, well, access, this, softball likes. It's just a circle of incest. This is the problem that, we, the, you know, um, I wrote recently about, you know, particularly network interviews with Trump. Uh, and, I, you know, it all kind of blurs together, but, oh, the ABC, David Muir, David, the, the ABC anchor who interviewed Trump uh, two weeks ago. First Trump interview outside of Fox News since the pandemic started. Um, an incredibly important opportunity. Trump had just ended two months of briefings, six weeks of briefings, where he lied every day about this national health crisis. Mm-hmm. That, that ABC interview was a joke as well. Yeah. Uh, never held him accountable. ABC knew exactly what lies Trump was going to tell because he had told them every day for six weeks during the briefings. He repeated them like he repeated those lies robotically and no pushback at all. So we see it over and over again with the network news, with uh, interviewing Trump, with you know this bar interview that CBS did. They seem to see journalism as getting the interview. Everything after that is just kind of pro forma. Right. You're here. I'm here. We have our assigned roles. We're going to do this kabuki dance. The interviewer is going to feign modest interest in holding this person accountable. The person answering the questions can uh, basically just deliver gibberish, whatever they want. There will be no serious pushback. Uh, and everyone goes home happy and shakes hands. The network feels like they got a coup. They're going to get headlines. Uh, and Republican officials will come back because literally no attempt to hold them accountable during a national health crisis that has killed 90,000 Americans, killed 40 million jobs. And the network news division just seemed to see their job is to maintain that access. Because yeah. if, we, if we come down hard on Trump in his first non-Fox interview during a pandemic, oh, he might not come back. He might not come back. And that's, yeah. and that's, that's what they think their job is. Um, so we see it over and over. Um, it's it's incredibly distressing. It's intre- incredibly um, dangerous for a democracy. Uh, they, they these people show no trepidation when there's a Democrat in the White House. This is the most. This is this is a and they're kneeling down to the most historically consistently unpopular president in American history. He's never been over fifty percent. You know, I could. You know, I kind of understood at least the politics and the business of George Bush post 9-11, George Bush right after the invasion of Iraq, 80% popularity, 70% popularity. I could see newsrooms kind of pulling back like, okay, let's be careful. You know, there's a, let's not go out on a limb. Let's not be tagged as unpatriotic. This guy is super popular. Trump's, 
you know, he's been at 44% for three years and they're still just bowing down to this guy because they're so bullied and they're so intimidated. Uh, and, 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 you know, that kind of uh, segues to the column I did on Friday at PressFront.media, which is the refusal for any of these people to call for Trump's resignation. No. Uh, we've talked about this before. 100 plus newspapers demanded Bill Clinton resign. Bill Clinton was unfit to serve. He could not represent the United States on the global stage because he had told a single lie about an extramarital affair. Trump, you know, we could come up with 25 reasons, 25 instances, 25 meltdowns, 25, uh, you know, attacks on the Constitution. And these same newspapers, same news organizations are so bullied and so battered that they, they can't even summon the courage uh, when there's 40 million lost jobs and 90,000 dead that say, hey, this guy's not up for the job. They, they just they just won't do it and they can't do it. It's, it's really remarkable. Part of the bullying, too, seems to be uh, a complete unwillingness or inability to ponder mm -hmm. that he actually might lose. In other words, it, 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 the, the other part of the juxtaposition is, and you've you analyzed this too, yeah. the fixation with Biden failing. Right, right, right. Something is, I mean, and it's like Biden, Biden, if Biden literally didn't campaign another minute, just sat at home still, yeah, yeah. that's still better than all the people that are dying right now. Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, so, yeah. So, so how is Biden... Uh, not getting coverage, which is also the media's decision. They choose right. to cover Trump and not Biden. Yep. All right. So, so how is what? How is the? How are that? How are Biden's shortcomings, which I can't seem to find right now, anyway? But what on earth is he doing? Right. That is so much less successful than <laughs> what Trump is doing. That, that's <laughs> the other thing about this. It's it's a it's a veil. It's it's almost like they're not just bullet. It's almost an intoxicant. Yeah. It's like they're living in a, a, a separate universe. And I'll give you a perfect example. I, I was just looking at this column right before we started talking on CNN, Chris Eliza, and, and, and he just wrote a column today saying, yes, Trump might be a jerk. Yes, you might not like him, but he, get thing, but he gets things done. And that's why he can win re-election. You know, and the column didn't mention that, you know, 40 million lost jobs or 90,000 dead Americans. I mean, it's, it, it is a fantasy world where Republicans, and particularly Trump, are super savvy. They have this innate, unshakable break with the American public. Um, but to the Biden stuff, uh, I mean, imagine the, what the coverage would look like if Biden were actually trailing by five points instead of ahead of five points. Look, I understand everyone's gonna say, polls were wrong in 2016, polls were wrong. You know, we, can't, we don't know what's gonna happen. That's kind of like the, the media's free pass. Mm -hmm. Right. If, if, if any other election and they go to RCP where every poll is listed and Trump leads in one of the last 49 polls, they, the assumption would be from the press is uh, Trump's in, that candidate, not necessarily Trump, that candidate is in trouble. That candidate is trailing. But they have 2016 so they could say, well, the polls don't matter. So we can write whatever we want. We can write Dems and Disarray from now until November because we don't know what's going to happen. Biden might be up 12 points in November, and they can say, well, the polls were wrong, so we can write whatever we want. And what they want to write is that Dems are in disarray and that Trump is super savvy and Trump has, 
uh, you know, Trump's, you know, is outsmarting them and outmaneuvering them and Biden's in over his head. You know, I keep tweeting about this, but, you know, in, in terms of the, the, the senior vote, senior vote, there's been a, in terms of the polls, there's been a 20 point shift since 2016. Trump won them by 10. Biden is ahead by 10. Democrats have not won the senior vote in many decades. Right. If Democrats win the senior vote, the, the election's over. Yeah. I mean, it's just yeah. over. Uh, it, just mathematically. Uh, and if, 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 and, I, and you see some coverage here and there. You imagine if Biden were trailing in 10 points in a demo Hillary won by 10 points. That would be the only story. Literally, mm -hmm. it would be the only story being covered because that would be Dems in disarray. So the other important thing is, you know, these news organizations have set aside an incredible amount of time and resources to cover the campaign, which doesn't exist. There are no rallies. There are no campaign stops. But they, ha they have to produce this content. Uh, and so the content is, we think, we think Democrats are, are in trouble. We think there's a panic. Uh, and, and so that's the story they keep hitting over and over. I've never seen a, a, a political campaign narrative where the person who is ahead in every single poll is consistently portrayed as the person trailing. We are in kind of an Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. I don't know who's going to win. I'm not here to say right. Democrats have this locked up. Right. But campaign coverage usually follows a certain pattern. It's based, a lot of it is based on polls. Yeah. Uh, and, and, but the press is, is, is kind of committed to just looking at this and saying, polls don't matter. This is what's in our gut. And uh, just a, a quick example, there was a, a piece in the New York Times um, about the pandemic and about these anti-lockdown uh, demonstrations. Right. Press is constantly treating them as a, as a Republican victory, even though a lot of these protests have like 80 or 90 people. Anyway, the New York Times piece, uh, it was about Pennsylvania, and it, and it was reporting how Republicans in Pennsylvania, in their gut, feel like this is a good political move, that it's going to help them. It wasn't until you got halfway through the article that the New York Times acknowledged, even polls in, even polls in Pennsylvania show Republicans in Pennsylvania support the Democratic governor who wants to not lift restrictions yet. Right. So we're, we're literally getting this coverage that, you know, the polling is one thing, but in our gut, we think this is good for Republicans. We think they're outmaneuvering Democrats. And look, that's been the storyline for decades. And, and they're not gonna budge, even though 40 million lost jobs. We've talked about this in 2014, when two people died of Ebola. Obama's political obituary was being written in some places in the Beltway Press. Two people died, and that was that was proof that the federal government didn't work. That was proof that Democrats couldn't lead. We are hurtling towards a hundred thousand dead, and a lot of that same Beltway Press is saying, "Well, it looks pretty good for Trump. Looks pretty good for Trump." Right, right. It, it, it it's completely illogical, it, and it and it just addresses this this kind of Alice in Wonderland world that they live in. And what exactly is Obamagate? <laughs> Do we still know for sure what exactly it is they're talking about? Well, he was asked at the, you know, Trump was asked at a press conference last week and he, and he couldn't or wouldn't articulate it. Well, you know, in, in, the, in the grand scheme of things, it's this vast left-wing deep state conspiracy. That, and again, we talked about it briefly. The, you know, the final weeks of the Obama administration, there was, uh, from what I understand, there was this, all this uh, attempt to criminalize the uh, uh, 
um, you know, the Trump administration, and I think it's supposed to be part of the Mueller investigation, which I don't understand because Obama was not around. <laughs> I love this. I love this uh, Fox News narrative about how the Mueller investigation, the Ru Russian investigation, was some Democratic plot. It was a white a Republican White House, a Republican Senate, a Republican DOJ, a Republican FBI. There wasn't that Democrat involved in any of that. <laughs> You know, uh, it was it was a Republican attorney general who appointed Mueller. It was an, a Republican who oversaw the Department of Justice. It, it's kind of amazing to for them to portray this deep state. No Democrats were in power in any of those places. Republicans ran the whole field, and now they tried to they're trying to drag Obama back in. As I you know I said yesterday, uh, it's just amazing to watch. And Democrats, you know, you never want to. You, nobody knows how this is going to play out, but why would they want to bring Obama back? You know, I mean, is there a Republican strategist anywhere in America who thought the key to Trump's victory was to run against Biden and Obama in, in, in 2020? Right. Not to mention this clamoring for him to be called to testify. Yeah. I don't think they want that. I mean, not that he would, but, you know, what if he did? Oh, yeah, I'll come testify and do 24 hours like, or 17 hours, however many hours Hillary did. Hillary did, right, right. really want to do that. Uh, and, and you know, and, and this is all based, incredibly, this is all based on that single audio that was leaked a week, a week ago, where apparently Obama said this, you know, pandemic response is it. Trump is reeling eight days later. He is willing to throw, toss away his entire reelection campaign. Nobody wants him to run against Obama, nobody. But he won't listen to anyone. So <laughs> that one comment, Obama hasn't said anything in three years. That one comment leaked. Eight days later, Trump is still reeling. Who Gone. knows what this campaign is going to look like? Because, of course, Obama is going to be on stage with Biden. Yeah, yeah, gone. He's going to lose his mind. And and they don't know what you, they go from birtherism. To, right. At one time, there was a conspiracy. Today is Malcolm X's, would have been Malcolm X's 95th birthday. You mm. probably remember, at one time, there was a conspiracy that that uh, Barack Obama, a conspiracy theory that Barack Obama was the illegitimate son of Malcolm X. So think about that, Eric. He's one minute he's Mal the son of Malcolm X, the next minute he's deep state, right, in collusion with federal government, right. He's Malcolm very, X's son would be right. Very that, power, that, he's a very powerful <laughs> man. He's a very powerful. <laughs> man. He, and he runs a movie production company, right? And he runs right. So <laughs> it, it's just. It, it's no, I do not think they want him to testify. No, I nobody agree. does. And, and, and they and, do not want him. They do not want to. That would be the, a big mistake. Yeah, of course. And no, and and like I said, there's no one right connected to his campaign or anyone who runs a serious election that, for the Republican Party. I mean, these senators who are fading fast in places like Arizona and Maine and Colorado, you think they want to run against Obama in the fall? That right. would be the death knell, just absolute death knell. But so, Eric, here's a, the other thing, and, and it's always sensitive and somewhat perilous to get into this, but, but I, I think what, the way I want to approach it at this moment is, is not so much. So the mainstream media um, doubles down, does credible journalism on Weinstein once it finally decides to do it. I mean, for yeah, a while, yeah. it's covered up. They stay on there. They stay on Cosby, stay on Weinstein, Epstein. Uh, but now, well, so let's have more of an interest in Tara Reid. And yet the accusations against Trump 
are still pretty much largely ignored. They're just only mentioned as a footnote. Yeah. And I think that's revealing as well. Yeah, look, you know, I think there's been a double standard in all of this. I mean, what's the number of Trump accusers now? A couple dozen? Yeah. Uh, and they're not from 2016. Some of them are from the last 12 months mm -hmm. uh, and, and things like that. Um, so I, this kind of goes back to the, the, the point I made earlier about, you know, they need campaign coverage. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is not a campaign and it's unlike any other. Uh, the Biden campaign is not creating news because you know, they can't, they're not on the road. So I, you know, I think the Tara Reid story in a way, um, it probably got more coverage than it might have in a normal campaign uh, because they, they needed something. They needed something on that side of the ledger. Every day they're chronicling Trump. They needed something on the other, on the other side. Um, you know, I guess in the end, I think that the coverage was uh, probably what it should be. Um, you know, in the end, I think her story kind of fell apart. And I, and I think that was based on just straightforward journalism. And it's important, I think, to say a lot of those stories were written by women uh, at Fox, at PBS. Uh, and the woman at, at Vox went in and said, you know, I followed this story for, for a year. I, try, I wanted it to be true. I tried to make a case. Uh, and in the end, she, you know, she couldn't. Uh, because the changes, the story was changing so often. PBS did a very interesting story last week. They interviewed 70, 72 Biden colleagues, 64 of them women, um, and, and they kind of, portray, you know, it kind of presented a pretty clear picture in terms of what's going on. So my, my hunch is that story is kind of over for now. My hunch is it might have done some damage to, uh, it didn't really hold up. So I'm con I am concerned that it's going to do some damage to people who do want to come forward with important stories and things right. like that. Right. But right. that's the choice. That's the choice she made. And in terms of the media, you know, she turned down MSNBC. She turned down. Uh, she certainly turned down Fox. She ended up doing this very weird interview with Megyn Kelly on her YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. um, so I think Tara Reid's her media strategy, if you will, I don't think it was a very good one. Uh, and I think if she had a uh, kind of a sound story to tell, she could have told it through the mainstream media. I don't think that Megyn Kelly interview did her any right. favors at all. Agree. All of that is is, is accurate reporting, um, what you've described. But still, there. If Tari never came forward, still. Yeah. Where? Oh, it, there wouldn't be any Trump discussion. You're right. That's where is the the coverage? It's, you know, the, the, it, it, where is the coverage um, consistent yeah. with coverage of other accusers with, with uh, of, of other individuals, other celebrities yeah. with fewer accusers than Trump? Yeah. Why does no. that just die? Yeah, no, I think it's a good point. I think the press has kind of bought the Trump spin and the Trump spin is, and, you know, her, his new uh, press secretary was saying it last week. Well, we had an election and the American people decided and, you know, that Access Hollywood tape came up and and people decided and therefore uh, it's not a story anymore. Um, it's not true. People have come forward since the election. But I do feel like the press has kind of uh, internalized that argument like, uh, you know, we did this. We did this. Uh, it didn't stick to him. So we're not going to go back. Uh, but if it comes up against a Democrat, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to dig into that. And that's a really important story. 
and, and even though there are still two dozen women who with credible allegations against Trump. Yeah, so I think there's a clear double standard on that front. But that's just, just to drill down a bit further, it yeah. didn't stick. The press decides what sticks. No, totally. The, the press is what sticks it on you. Right, so right, right. Well, well, say it doesn't stick, it's, yeah. you know, y'all didn't want it to stick. You all didn't try to stick it. If you all decide, it's, if, if you decide it's going to stick to Biden, it's going to stick. Yeah. If you decide it's going to stick to anybody else, it's going to stick. Right. So you all didn't decide it, it wouldn't stick. That's the thing that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I mean, you know, Benghazi went on for three years. There was no reason for that story to have, have a shelf life of three right. years. So you had a shelf life of three years because, A, Fox News wanted it to. And then, and then the Beltway Press said, oh, okay, well, we, we think it's news too. So they made that choice. They decided to stick with it. They decided to stick with it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, and, and, you know, and those allegations, none of them have, have ever been debunked. In a way, I think the terror, the terror read story has, has, has been debunked. You know, there's, there's, there's not even a credible pushback for the dozens of women who, um, right. who, who have made allegations against Trump. So it's still there. Uh, it's not like, you know, um, it's not like people have huge questions about any of these 20 plus accusers. Everyone essentially believes them. Uh, but yeah, no, the, the press chooses, the press always chooses. Yeah, yeah, they're the sticker. Yeah. They decide what sticks on whom. Yeah. Um, Eric, when last we talked, can you believe it? And what we talked with me a couple of weeks ago at the most, yeah. we were talking about these deaths, the numbers in these deaths approaching Vietnam. Yeah. And it's what doubled? Yeah, almost. Since we last talked. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's oh, it. Yeah. Oh, we're going to hit 100,000. Uh, I don't know, by the election, we might be at a quarter of a million. And, and, and Trump will be saying what he's saying now, which is that A, we're going to have a vaccine in two months. Or B, we don't need a vaccine because it's all going to disappear. Yeah. So that, that's part of Trump's, you know, it's, it's always been his, you know, modus operandi is just create confusion with constant contradictions, even when it's a public health crisis. Uh, so he's, you know, he, he's, he's saying two things at once about a vaccine. Um, he, look, you know, way back when, when I think the death toll was, gosh, I think 10 or 20,000 and, and Trump was tweeting about his ratings for the briefings. Um, I tweeted, I said, he's going to be tweeting about his ratings when we're at 100,000 dead. He doesn't care. He, he literally doesn't care. And if other people have noted, mentioned, no empathy, no sympathy, um, I, almost the telltale signs of a sociopath, um, just a complete inability to connect with suffering in any form. And he doesn't like it. And it's not a good news story for him. Uh, and that's why he, he's, he's, He's mangled this in so many ways. Back in January, he didn't want to deal with it. He thought it would tank the market. Now he doesn't want to deal with it because he thinks, uh, you know, it's bad for his reelection. So the only person he's ever cared about his whole life is himself. Um, and so yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't. Uh, you know, I. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. And you know, and I was tweeting that at the very beginning in terms of these deaths, and uh, people still act shocked that he doesn't care. I mean, he's told us who he is for at least five years. When he came down that escalator in June of 2015. Folks, support independent journalism, especially journalism that actually is about journalism. Uh, Eric's analysis is spot on, and he's one of the only people doing this right now. Go to pressrun.media, read his uh, bi-weekly, well, weekly, twice-weekly column, I think. Mm -hmm. right there, right? um, and also he's on Twitter uh, as well. 
a, a lot of good analysis if you just need to clear your mind and make sure don't don't watch too much television while you're sheltering in place because as we're discussing you will be confused so watch television but also read what eric is writing at pressrun.media eric thank you as always buddy glad you're well stay well okay have a great week be All, good you do the same take care okay bye-bye god you are our refuge Send our ancestors to guard our doors. Cast out this virus from our communities and our bodies. Heal, bless, and protect everyone listening and their loved ones. Thank you for listening to Make It Plain and Get Woke. Remember to listen, like, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. If all minds are clear, it has been Made Plain. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.